0: Hello, my fellow project managers. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the Pembok guide. Looks like the seventh edition today. Seventh edition, you compare it to the behemoth. Let's look at that differential. huh? See how big this one is compared to that. Even though it's smaller, it still sends people on a chase, hopefully not a wild goose chase, but a chase of some sort to catch up with the content. I'm going to be breaking down for you today what this book is all about in 15 minutes. I know many of you have got things to do and exams to take, and you don't want to spend another five, six hours reading the 7th edition. So if that sounds like you, this session is for you. Breaking down the guide in 15 minutes. All right. If you've got any questions as we go through the content, feel free to drop me a comment. I'll check in quite frequently and see if you have any questions. To timestamp this, it is 1.22 p.m on the 13th of December. So if you're wondering if this is live, I always timestamp when I'm coming to you live. This is live. Well, it might not be (laughs) when you're watching it. Let's get on with it and let me stop the foolery. Let's get into the content. Here we go. All right. So the seventh edition is a bit of a different animal in that it doesn't entirely replace... The sixth. The PMI have been very upfront in telling you that. And that's why you've got Standards Plus, and there's a bunch of stuff that was in the 6 that you can find in Standards Plus. The Notorious page 25 is still in Standards Plus. All right, so let's get started. Chapter 1, if you follow me to Chapter 1 of this book, after the introduction, Chapter 1 is on page 3, and it tells you the purpose of the 7th edition. And then it goes into these terms. Outcome, an end result or consequence of a process or project. Portfolio, projects, programs, subsidiary portfolios, and operations managed as a group. Product, an artifact that is produced, is quantifiable and can be either an item in itself or a component item. Program, you know this one if you've read the six, right? Related projects, sub-programs, and program activities that are managed in a coordinated manner to obtain benefits. Project, a temporary endeavor undertaken to create a unique product, service, or result. Project management. The application of knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques to project activities to meet project requirements in order to deliver value and benefits and help you achieve a desired outcome. <laughs> you see where you follow in? Did you see what I did there? Did you, did you see what I did? All right. Project manager, the person assigned by the performing organization to lead the project team. That is responsible for achieving the project objectives we have on page five project team a set of individuals performing the work of the project to achieve its objectives now when you get into the thick of the seventh you realize that pmi break down the difference between a project team and a project management team and that's going back to the roots now so i found that to be quite interesting that they wanted to call out the project management team that are involved in the project management activities and the project team, which is everyone, including those who are doing, if you wanted to call it development work, to borrow a term from the Scrum Guide. And you know, development doesn't mean IT. It just means the people developing the product, whatever that looks like. doesn't have to be IT. All right, then we have the system for value delivery, which is one of my favorites in the seventh edition. It says, a collection of strategic business activities aimed at building sustaining and or advancing an organization so the value delivery system is coming up in a few slides and then we have value what is value the worth importance or usefulness of something you know the definition i really like it's in the sixth edition i like the sixth edition definition Because it refers to value as the net quantifiable benefits that the customer experiences. I thought that was just a brilliant definition. Very straightforward link in value and benefits. All right. Now we're getting into chapter two. If you have any questions, feel free to put them in the comments. And thank you very much, Francis. Indeed, we're live. Good to see you, Francis. Anyone else that's got questions, don't hesitate to put them in. All right. As I said, it's going to be a very rapid review. So we're going to be done here quite shortly. Once we get into the uh, domains and the principles, it is going to go very quick. All right. So going back into our breakdown, we have the value delivery system. Let's read on page seven what it says. It says, projects exist within a larger system, such as a governmental agency, organization, or contractual arrangement. For the sake of brevity, this standard uses the term organization when referring to government agencies, enterprises, contractual arrangements, joint ventures, and other arrangements. So think about your project in a system. Your project is a system in and of itself, but it exists within a wider system. That's the summary. Now, if you go to page nine, you see the breakdown. System for value delivery. What does this mean? In your company, your project could be within a portfolio, not belonging to any program. You get that? Let's circle it on the screen so that it becomes clear to you. So these, that's an example of projects in a portfolio that are not in a program. They're standalone projects. And then you have programs that contain projects such as A1 and A2. And then you go to program N1, and this is a program standalone. It is not shown as part of a portfolio, but typically it would be in the organizational system for value delivery. That is what this is showing you. So projects, programs, portfolios, they're all working together to deliver that outcome, that overarching outcome, whatever that might be. And then we have operations that are the lifeblood of the organization. A lot of times we run projects for operations to make the operation simpler. And that's why we need a lot of help from the operations department so that our projects can go well. Now, talking about the internal environment, that's the company. The external environment could be a government. It could be a state. It could be a country. It could be something bigger, a bigger environment than just the company itself. And that's pretty much the summary of this value uh, delivery system. Now, I like to show the concept using an aquarium. It sounds funny, but it makes it stick. When you take a look at an aquarium, you've got the big boulders, the portfolios, bigger chunks of work. And then you've got smaller chunks of work. Could look at these as the rocks programs. And then you've got pro projects, which are more like the pebbles. You've got operations, which is the water, the lifeblood of the company. And then you've got outcomes, the entire scene, the entire scenery. The stakeholders are the fish. And then you've got the benefits, good air or CO2 in this case, whatever it might be. And then you've got the plants, right? So it's a system. Just like in an aquarium, you've got different components. System for value delivery, you got different components. All right. Now, another very helpful diagram here is on page 11 uh, figure 2-3 that just shows you how the information flows from senior leadership to portfolios, from portfolios to programs, programs to operations. And we get an understanding of the strategy. Then the desired outcomes and benefits are communicated to programs and projects. And then deliverables with support and maintenance information is passed on to operations And in turn, we get information passed back to senior leadership to understand the outcome. Was it a success or not? What do we need to adjust? And so on. I found that to be a very helpful addition, especially putting a label on projects, programs, portfolios. That was good. All right, then. Moving on. Let's go into the topic of products. And I'm going straight into an image I found to be helpful on page 19. And this is a sample product life cycle. Product life cycle is everything from the beginnings of the product, the introduction, the growth of the product by adding more features, some additions, the maturity of the product. So as you can see here, four, five, and six show you maturity. And ultimately, you're going to get to decline or retirement. It's going to become obsolete but it goes through this cycle of life. And this is an addition that PMI added in here. It says the disciplines of portfolio program, project and product management are becoming more interlinked. So this is getting with the program, drinking the Kool-Aid and getting to know them better. Still in this chapter, big, big change in that your EEFs and OPAs are now just merely referred to as the internal environment and the external environment. If you take a look at both, you'll realize the internal EEFs are here, but you'll also see some OPAs such as data assets, knowledge assets, and so on. And if you look here, you pretty much just see those EEFs that are of an external nature. So it's not new, it's just a mishmash of EEFs and OPAs. All right, now getting into some of the meat here, we have the project management principles on page three, and this goes all the way to the end of part one, which is on page 67. So the summary is this. As a project manager, as a PMP, as someone affiliated with a PMI, we expect you to be a diligent, respectful, and caring steward. Care for your resources, human equipment, material supplies. Create a collaborative project team environment. Collaborate, collaborate, and create the environment. Create a safe space. Now, those of you who've read the Agile Practice Guide, this is all agile think. And of course, we need to bring it into predictive world. So this is a good reminder what our focus needs to be on. A lot of times people forget. It's all about the team. That's the most important thing. Individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Effectively engage with stakeholders. Again, this is a people component. Think about your stakeholders. Without them, you wouldn't have a project right? And without them, you wouldn't get stuff done on the project. So a lot of times we forget that our team is inclusive of stakeholders. So why the team? All right. Next one is focus on value, 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 value. You know, we call the product owner, the chief value officer in the world of, of agile and scrum. So focus on value. If it's not valuable, don't do it. Cut it off. Cut it off. Focus on delivering value delivering working product. That's the primary measure of progress, of success, right? Value is a primary measure. If it doesn't add value, don't do it. Next one is recognize, evaluate, and respond to system interactions. Try to see the big picture of how things interweave, how things interconnect. All right. For those of you just coming, we are going through the seventh edition pretty expediently. I don't want to waste your time I don't want to waste mine by telling you stuff you already know in the six. So this is very, very rapid. All right. Next one is demonstrate leadership behaviors. What is leadership? True measure of leadership, as my mentor, John Maxwell says, is influence. So demonstrating leadership behaviors means you're doing things that enable influence. Influence doesn't always have to come directly from you. It could come from the person who has more influence. You see, that's leadership, knowing how to influence. So all of the great behaviors that espouse leadership at a higher level, they're on page 42. Focusing the team around goals, right? That's an example. What about articulating a motivating vision, vision casting, generating consensus, coaching, facilitating, Employing effective conversations, empowering people, showing empathy, just the nice dose of empathy can go a long way to influence, to helping you influence, right? So these are the behaviors we're looking for. Next one is tailor based on context. Don't tailor based on what has happened in the past alone. Tailor based on now. Always balance what happened in the past, what are we up against now? And is there anything we can discard from our laundry list of ITTOs? I know it's coming as a shock, right? But that's the mindset. What can we get rid of in the busy work we do, the needless, tedious work that everyone hates and adds no value? That's what you need to tailor. So you can tailor based around the team, based on the tools, based on the techniques, based on the company. Many things. The development approach. I could go on and on. Next one is build quality into processes and deliverables. What is quality? Fitness for use, conformance to requirements, customer satisfaction. We need to think about that and build it into the processes and deliverables. The next one is navigate complexity. Now, this is one that I found to be a great addition to the topic of project management. A lot of times when we say complex, people don't get it is a difference between complicated and complex. And PMI does well on page 51 to show you the different variables that could contribute to the complex tag. we got human behavior, system behavior, uncertainty and ambiguity itself, and technological innovation. All of those could contribute to something being complex, but you've got to navigate it, right? Now, In the principles, it doesn't really tell you how to. It just makes you aware of what you should do. But in the rest of the seventh edition, there's actually a brilliant part in the domains where you have some very tactical steps for how you can navigate complexity. And we talk about things like building in redundance, beefing up the team, uh, looking at leading indicators and lagging indicators, and many other things like that. All right. Next, we go into optimizing risk responses. The summary is choose the best risk response for the situation, optimize it. Next one is embrace adaptability and resiliency. This is very closely tied to 3.9. But where we're talking about complexity and adaptability and resiliency, there's some tie ins there. And we could harvest some of the things we do to become more resilient in order to tackle complexity. You know, part of what we talk about in both is the concept of iterations. Do you know that doing things in an iterative fashion helps you better navigate complexity, also helps you embrace adaptability? Think about that. And this is why when we look at the seventh, it looks like a step up in the direction of leadership and team think. But it doesn't do a very good job in grounding people to the basics of project management. It has its strong points, but it also has its weak points. Finally, enable change to the to achieve the envisioned future state. So be a change agent, enable change. And the PMI did well in the second part of models, methods, and artifacts to give you some very good models for change like John Carter's model, the ADCAR model, the PMI FIPIM's model. They all talked about to some degree in the seventh edition. All right, now the final part of the seventh edition is the domains. One, the stakeholder performance domain. Think about your stakeholders Do whatever you need to get your stakeholders engaged. That's the overarching message. We have the team performance domain, and this focuses on creating the right environment for the team, getting the team to peak performance. Those are some of the things we should be thinking about here. When we talk about team performance, we got to talk about project team management. That's different from leadership. Maintaining a team is different from leading a team. So keeping the administration side of team is different from the leadership part of the team. And that's what you're going to glean from reading this. Uh, Project team culture is important. Creating a high-performing team uh, all starts from the environment and getting the right people on the bus. That's step one, getting the right people on the bus. Step two, putting each person on the bus in the right position. And it's hard to do. It needs a lot of thought. But it has to start with employing the right people for the team. We also talk about leadership skills here and tailoring our leadership style, like the Hersey-Blanchard model would be a good one to talk about there. Okay, let's move on to number three. Third one is the development approach and lifecycle. It's one of my favorites. I wish I had a full hour to talk about this, but let me give you the summary. One, think about what you're working on, what you're building, what product you're building. Based on the products you're building, you're going to be able to either deliver it in increments or it just has to be one time. So you got to think about the development cadence. Think about the life cycle relationship. What is your rhythm going to be? Is it going to be every two-week delivery, every four-week delivery? Remember, we choose the shorter when we have an option of using four weeks for a sprint. So what is the smallest chunk of functionality? We think about the MVP, the PSI, the MPP, and things like that, or MMP. Next, we go into delivery cadence and development approaches. There are many considerations you should make, not only the company, but also the product you're working on and the team. It's all about the team. Now, when I say you, I'm really talking about team on this one because development approach and lifecycle, there shouldn't be any thou shalt use Scrum or thou shalt use uh, predictive or Kanban. No, the team decides based on all these parameters. Okay. And then we need to align the delivery cadence, the development approach, and the life cycle to get a good payout from that one. Next, we have the planning domain summary. The planning domain just says plan everything under the sun. <laughs> so think about your knowledge areas. Just think knowledge areas for this one. They all have to be planned. I'm really not crazy about the breakdown in the seventh when it comes to planning it wasn't done very well so they talk about project team composition and structure communication physical resources procurement changes metrics and alignment i'm like that's a little bit hard for for someone to take in you you get what i mean it's a little bit hard for someone to take in because an easier way instead of having to reconfigure one's thinking to be more like this, where you're thinking about project team composition, you're thinking about physical resources, but you're not thinking the easiest way. Knowledge areas is the easiest way. I really wish they had maintained the knowledge area breakdown for planning, if nothing else, because it makes so much sense, right? You plan scope, schedule, cost, quality, resources, communications, risk, procurement, stakeholder, and of course, all of those could have these things on the screen. Do you get what I'm saying? All the knowledge areas. Now I know I've gone, I've blown my 15 minute limit because I'm getting carried away here. But the the summary is this: in every knowledge area, we could think about resources tied to that area. If nothing else, a team, right? When it comes to procurement, it's pretty clear cut, but it touches resources as well. Changes touches all the knowledge areas, and so does metrics. We could measure anything, but, you know, the good thing about the seventh is they really focus on the metrics, and they make you think about the metrics you're measuring. That's a good part, but still, it shouldn't be in this silo, disjointed silo. I would have liked a knowledge area focus, you know, alignment So when you take a look at these variables for planning in the seventh, some of them are very familiar, like resources, procurement, communication, just finish the picture, put everything else in it, but they didn't, they didn't catch the vision. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Let's go from planning, the planning domain. Let's move on to the next one. After planning, we talk about the summary of the project work domain. And it's pretty much the project work domain. Of course, you know, I'm already giving you a summary. Now, when I look at the project work domain, this is what I think of. I think of direct and manage project work first. The reason is work is executed using integration as leverage. When you're integrating all the pieces of work, there's a lot of stuff that you're going to find out. And you're also going to make raw observations. Ah, you see where I'm going? Work performance data, right? So work performance data is your raw observations. As you're carrying out the work, you're going to be making those raw observations, aren't you? So in my mind, I just look at this project work domain as, honestly, direct and manage project work. That it ju- that's what comes to my mind. It's an integration of a lot of things. Now, the PMI doesn't roll that way in how they define it or discuss it. Instead, they tell you that the project work domain is about balancing competing constraints. You see how this is now sounding like monitoring and controlling a little bit. It's sounding a little bit like monitoring and controlling. So you have to be careful with it. Uh, even though it says project work and we're used to saying, oh, I'm executing work, so I'm doing direct and manage project work. No, there are they're more variables. And I want to show you the variables uh, for a quick moment here. You take a look at the screen. We have, after this, let's go back, we have project processes, balancing competing constraints, maintaining project team focus, and then it goes back into communications. You You see how it's, it's a little bit focused on the executing stuff that you do. Managing physical resources. You see how they took control resources from the sixth and they created an addendum to it. You manage physical resources as well. I know we just had managed team in the sixth, but it's good to talk about managing physical resources. Uh, working with procurements, RFPs, RFIs, all that stuff. And then monitoring new work and changes. So when the product owner is dealing with new work, new work as a result of a changing environment, we talk about it here. And then we talk about managed project knowledge. Well, this is learning throughout the project. That's pretty much the summary of uh, the project work performance domain. All right. For those of you just coming, we are going through this. I blew my ambition to cover it in 15 minutes because I got carried away. But I hope what I'm saying is of value to you. So let's jump back in and try and wrap this up quick. All right. The next one here is the delivery performance domain. The delivery performance domain, we think about the delivery of value. We think about deliverables, which has to do, of course, with scope we think about quality, and we address the topic of suboptimal outcomes. Suboptimal outcomes are expected. There's absolutely nothing wrong in suboptimal outcomes if we learn from our mistakes and we do better next time. Next one here is the measurement performance domain. And when we talk about measurement, we focus on what to measure. Presenting the information that we've gleaned. There are also pitfalls. Measuring the wrong stuff using only leading indicators instead of both leading and lagging indicators, stuff like that. And last but not least, we have the uncertainty domain, which I am a huge, huge fan of. The uncertainty domain makes you think a little bit more about general uncertainty, about ambiguity, about complexity, volatility, and risk. And I got to make a shameless plug here for my buddy, The Risk Doctor. If you have not subscribed to Risk Doctor video channel, Risk Doctor, the Risk Doctor video channel on YouTube. Highly advise that you do. Just search for Risk Doctor on YouTube. You find his channel, Dr. David Hilson. Great mind when it comes to risk. We've collaborated and done stuff. If you go to um, riskresponder.com, you can check out our course we did for helping people get into the RMP exam and uh, understand it at a deeper level. All right, so that's it, my friends. I hope this is of value to you. If you have any questions, let me know. Um, I can see some of our friends uh, put some chats in. So um, Aska, good to see you as always. Uh, Bakumbudzi, thank you very much. I'm glad you found value from it. Uh, Fabrico, yes, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of you. And uh, those of you who keep... Tune to the channel and send in comments and and likes. Likes are always good. So if you can hit like, that would be greatly appreciated. But uh, don't forget, any question you have about the syllabus, about this, about this, those questions are always welcome. It will always be a pleasure to answer questions about content you find difficult or esoteric. All right. Any questions before we close for the day? Any concerns? Okay. I know some of you are already PMPs, so congrats to you. And I know some of you are planning on getting certified in 2021 and some of you 2022. Yeah. This summary is meant to help you cut to the chase and just pick it up. And the moment you start reading, you're like, oh. That's what Phil was talking about. That's the idea. Because I know many of you have read this, okay? Before the end of the year, my book would be out, and my book helps bridge the gap between this and this. It's very substantial with the concepts from the 7th. There's a lot of good stuff in the 7th. It's just not presented well enough for a beginner to grasp what is hidden, the buried treasure. Now, for someone who is already a PMP, yeah, that would have been a nice PMP plus for anyone who's certified. You wouldn't get lost. You, you just say, oh, this, this is like a book written by someone else. Not the PMI, but the stuff in there is still good. All right. Thank you all very much. I wish you all the very best in all your endeavors. You take care and I will see you around. You can be sure of it. Maybe in an hour or two, you'll see your friend fail in another video. All right. Take care and bye for now.